0: with me um, some of you may remember him from episode 8 uh, the title Jewish agnostic so um,
1: still Jewish still, still Jewish, ag- still, agnostic. still
0: agnostic perfect because uh, that's why I wanted to talk to you <laughs> uh, there's some some relevance to, to some of the things I want to talk about here today so we'll get into that in a minute here but where I want to start the title of this episode is language hacking and now when you use the word hacking that implies uh, a bit of a malicious intent there, maybe like I'm I'm hacking you, on, like purposely doing something that either is something you wouldn't want to happen or something you don't even know is happening. Um, and I think I think there's definitely that side to to what I want to talk about, but there's also just a lot of like people not really understanding what's going on, not really seeing the patterns of what it means when they adopt a specific definition for a specific word and what the implications mm-hmm. are there. So at a at a high level, I kind of want to start off and just talk about how, one way to put it would be a, a lens is a language. A language is a lens. A, a language is basically an ideology almost. And And what I think people often don't realize is that even changing a couple words, if they're really important words to how you think about your ideology, how you think about your philosophy, how do you, th- how you think about life, you're, even with a few words, you're basically speaking an entirely different language. Mm-hmm. Because almost all the other words, all the other concepts you're going to be talking about are in some one way or another going to be tying back to one of those words that's central to your ideology. Um, So I want to kind of pick this apart a little bit, talk about a few different words and sort of implications of how, of how those words can, um, just be really powerful. And I want to talk about certain words that I think are, we should, we should each be careful about putting in the effort to really think about what our definition for certain words are. Um, so it.
1: Hi Lee, how are you doing? Good. What do you Good. do?
0: You want to throw something in there? <laughs>
1: well, no, no, just maybe I'm hearing you. Um, maybe waiting for you to siphon that into. Um, you almost got to the question or or the 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 uh, the summation. I'm hearing this. I'm hearing the ideas flow, mm-hmm. but what what is the actual? what's the actual like question or topic so i mean yes different you know language has changed you know language has different meanings so pick a specific like um area of that
0: yeah so th- this is kind of this is a highly related point and i think this is why um a lot of people kind of don't see the forest for the trees if you will don't really see this pattern happening a lot they're they're kind of tempted to adopt a word without thinking too deeply about the implications of that. Um.
1: You know, that's all part of pop culture. And I think that there are rules of all languages. All languages, when you're learning a language, you're learning the rules of the language. Slang is slang and that's all it is. But the language, for it to be a language, for us to be able to communicate on the same the same plane you got to observe the rules of that language it doesn't mean you can't use slang but language has its rules and we are coming into a culture that doesn't believe language should have rules and certain words are added to the diction to Webster's Dictionary every year that's okay you can add words but I I do think that language still needs to have rules and you know, to give a very, you know, petty kind of definition, you know, when Rock and Roll Hall of Fame chooses to induct Madonna, you know, into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, they use it saying, oh well, she in, she she influenced a lot of rock and rollers. That's ludicrous. Um, So what's the definition of rock and roll? Well, if you're gonna call rock and roll everything, if you listen to country music, you're not gonna call it jazz. You're not gonna be allowed to call it jazz. You know, hip hop entered into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame because of its influence? Maybe, but is hip hop rock and roll? No. So I think that it's a generational thing where people are trying to deconstruct every aspect of words, meanings, in languages meanings and they're trying to weaken these rules and they resent these rules and at the same time they say words matter
0: well so there are kind of two things we're starting to get at here and one is kind of what you're talking about this idea that language has rules and i that's basically what this podcast this episode i want this to be about is us digging into what what that means and what the implications of that are um and but then kind of at a higher level to set back to the point you were making earlier about like kind of asking what question am I I getting at? I'm trying to point at there's a, there's generalizations, which is what I'm talking about. You know, a lens is a language. A Mm -hmm. language is an ideology. That's a generalization. If we look at a specific word, you know, we can talk, we can say, you know, some people talk about this word as meaning this. Some people talk about this word as meaning this. And there are specific words where, um, you know for for any given person there will be a number of words where they're very cognizant of that of that like ambiguity of, of the multiple definitions for specific words even at, at a high level um but then there are a bunch of words that y- y kind of don't fall into that uh realm for a lot of people like a bunch of words where they just kind of take in a specific Uh, meaning for granted. And that could either be following more traditional rules, kind of like as you're talking, or it could be because it's the new slang use and they've never heard it any other way. Mm -hmm. And so they accept that as the default. And so that's kind of what I'm trying to point out a little bit is like people not realizing how this ambiguity applies to so many different words and from so many different directions.
1: There's no issue until there's outrage, and I think the outrage is caused by a need to control. A lot of what we see on both sides of the American political ideology, but definitely more on the woke side of political ideology, is they're trying to control things outside of themselves to feel empowered. And a lot of that is by controlling what people say and how people say it. Right conservatives have their own set of craziness and, and idiocies but they don't get as offended by words and words take on meanings words that we've used forever like when we were little kids we'd call each other fag all the time it didn't mean we were calling each other homosexuals it was just a slang word and it's just like if you're in England a fag is a cigarette do they still or like a bundle it,
0: of wood? Or yeah,
1: whatever? yeah, bundles twigs. You know, and uh, you know, there's the lore, and I don't know if it's true, but it all came from when all the Jews were being mass buried in graves in in during World War Two. They looked like sticks, you know, and it was just you know I've heard oh it comes from you know this derogatory thing. And it's like no, I don't uh, because they killed all the gay Jews as well. That doesn't sound accurate because I think the term was long before 1940. But, um, you know, it has this meaning, you know, of cigarette here It has, now it's a derogatory term But if you're gay I mean, I've lived in every gay district in this country In San Francisco, in West Hollywood and like, in Northampton, Massachusetts Cambridge, Massachusetts Austin, Texas It's like, my gay family, my gay friends Call each other fag you know, but it's not a word that, and they own it, and they love it, and to them it's a term of pride, just the way queer is now evolved into not even a slur, it is the Q of LBGTQ, it is now, you know, it is now a proper pronoun of sorts. And so language is evolving, which doesn't bother me that much until people try to empower or disempower words. Because that's a real false sense of control. And the other thing that's a real problem is when. I'm not a big fan of changing the rules of grammar in any language. I don't think that is.
0: I don't think that is uh, going to be a good idea. Well, so there's like. It, just looking at English specifically, um, there's a lot of things I don't like about the language. It's hard to learn. There's a lot of weirdnesses. There's a lot mm. of inconsistencies and in rules about how certain types of words should be spelled, like I for E, except after C, and, and, and then there's exceptions to that, and then, you know, there's, like, a bunch of exceptions. So there's, like, all this kind of awkward crap about English. And... But at the same time, there's all this culture, there's all this history, there's always this, like, poetic sort mm-hmm. of cultural stuff built into how language is used traditionally. And... And you know, if we start breaking these grammatical rules, we, sure, we can make a language that makes more sense and it's easier to learn and it's more efficient in like a cold calculated sort of way. But then we give up kind of that poeticness. And I, that that's sort of where I'm at with it is like, if, if we're going to give up the poeticness, I want to go all the way and just like basically talk in math or something because, um, because that's the value of like the quirkiness of English to me is, is the poetry is kind of the culture that's, that's behind it.
1: I, I don't, we're not going to go to math. I mean, but I know what you mean. It's, it's you and a lot of people, you know, I, I used to teach engineers, but I taught engineers writing, you know, and these guys, for a lot of them, it was agony, but for some of these engineers, like they were just so good at it because of those rules. Because they knew how to, they knew how to set up a sentence, they knew how to set up a paragraph, utilizing mathematical principles of law and order. And 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 it wasn't always the most poetic thing, but uh, it was very easy to read and very easy to understand. You know, I don't we've thrown away in this in this time I think we've just thrown away so many of the rules and I don't have a hard fast opposition for the evolution of that. What I find to be very unfortunate is is that it's making communication incredibly hard. Right. And we're not connecting and we're getting into a lot of anger and hatred and resentment over people who are trying to change the language not for the sake of making us all communicate better and understand each other more, but for the sake of finding some false sense of control.
0: Right. Yeah, and so I mean, there's a bunch of, of stuff related to here. Like my motivation, really, with this podcast in, in a high level, is to try to just talk about things with nuance in a way where where, where I don't want to be strawmanning anybody's argument. I want to take it seriously. I want to consider everyone to be have a valid perspective and really and really try to understand them as best mm-hmm. that I can. And I think what that a lot of what I'm seeing happening with certain words is in. I, I think a lot of people are intentionally dividing this right like this pulled this political polarization and and, and such I, th- I think there are forces that at work that do that intentionally i think and i don't want to go too deep down this rabbit hole right now but i feel like my personal opinion is that the government the or the power structure in in the united states has largely devolved into what i would call an oligarchy, which is basically like individuals in power, many of them not really elected per se, Mm. vying for power at the expense of the masses. And that's not what our uh, government was originally designed to be. It was originally designed to be basically a form of monarchy with checks and balances that made it very democratic in nature even small
1: though. but 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 not democratic for everybody so right. it was never fully it was no they it, really it did was want, never like we wanted athenian a small democracy. concentration of power yeah
0: it was never an athenian democracy yeah. we always had a president yeah. who is a cinch effectively like a monarch of right. sorts right and then we have this whole group of people that basically limit his power so that so that you know the people really do have power mm-hmm. i think we've sort of devolved almost in a Marxist sense, we're sort of devolving into communism in some ways where like we, we have an oligarchy, which is what a communism Mm -hmm. uh, ends up being. But anyway, that's kind of a, I'm, what I'm saying is I think there are forces, very powerful forces who do benefit from this polarization. Um, and, And it's become so ingrained in how things work that it's like you, you pretty much have to play that game to, 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 to get power, uh, but this is like ten more episodes in the future. I haven't. But gone. I can
1: bring it back to something I said to you in the in the email. If you want to talk about the the forces that divide us, so I was in college in the eighties, and I was at college in Vermont, and the term politically correct came about in, in during that time, and when. Political correct was a real positive term, and it was a term used by liberals to signal to each other, in not even a dog whistle way, just to signal to each other, is this person politically correct? Is this company politically correct? Meaning, pretty much, are they liberal, or are they for equality, women's equality gay equality, environmental equality. That's what political correctness meant. And we did it with a bit of eliteness, a bit of smugness, and a bit of condescension. And we knew that. And actually, we were fully okay with that. We did think we were better for having these beliefs. And the right eventually co-opted. I will never forget when I first heard a conservative use the word and this was also in the 80s first used the word liberal as a bad word and none of us could understand why why what they were getting at because it's like they called us liberals it's like yeah we are that's cool that's awesome thank you that's, that's what we are what's so bad about that and, but they co-opted it to refer to, to this day, a very, very negative thing, but it was always something that we were completely proud of. If you turn that on its head and be like, they're a Christian, well, most Christians are going to be pretty proud of that, but there's a whole group of other people who are like, oh, well, that says everything I need to know. You know, stay away from that person. I think words work their way into the language, words have power and have meaning and sometimes that meaning and that power is usurped it usurped and sometimes it is weakened it's what the black community has done with the n-word is by adopting it themselves they think that it has been weakened or at least they own it it's kinda of like you can't hurt me you know it's like yeah you can't fire me I quit that's the whole use of The N-word in black culture is, you can't fire me, I quit. And, I mean, I I personally think it's destructive. Um, They're the only ethnic culture in this country that uses the worst ethnic slur about them within their culture. You know, you don't hear Jews calling each other kike. You don't hear Hispanics calling each other spick. You don't hear Chinese people calling each other chink. It's just not what is done. But none of those people were slaves in America, so... I don't know, I'm open to understanding it better, but I know the older black folks are not happy about it, and they never were. So, words, words are powerful, They, but they're only as powerful as people let them. The words themselves have evolved in their power, and that's why liberals no longer say politically correct as a self-identifying notion of pride political correctness is now by certain factions called progressivism and political correctness has on the negative side has devolved into wokeism which is just really a term from the black church that White, you know, white zoomers have co-opted. So. Yeah, I mean, I
0: heard recently that woke started out as basically um, largely like black people would yeah. would would use it when they're talking about conspiracy theories, like um, which which I'm not saying is is what you're implying. I'm saying yeah, I heard yeah. this recently. But, you know, people would be on social media saying like. Uh, watch out for the vaccine, no, stay woke. No, woke was
1: around, dude, from, from the 60s. Now, woke is, was used in church. It was a very religious Southern Blackist sort or of Black American church uh, uh, term. I mean, what, the other what did folk? it
0: mean? What were they referring to? Spiritually awakened. Interesting.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's been around forever. So the black folks were, you know, the I can see black it folks. going from
0: that to conspiracy yeah. to, uh, you know, how it was no. co-opted to mean basically no, a it, new it, progressive, it, 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 and then now it's, it's like urban slang. That's all it is.
1: It's woke is urban slang for awoken. Yeah. It's like many of the words that we use in our culture today came from, you know, black urban slang, and just like many words we use in culture came from Jewish slang, when people like say, you know, chutzpah or schmutz or. Putts or you know schlep
0: you know these are just. well yeah so like if you know if, if if you're a liberal progressive whatever and and you're using one word one way politically correct and and i'm a conservative i hear you say that and i go oh so you're talking about this thing you know i'm very critical of it so i to you I'm it's a gonna, negative word yeah, to right. me it's and, a positive positive word, and so word. so that you know that that's just like we're getting at that like ideology is a language. Language is an ideology. So if we have different ideologies, we're going to use the same words, but we're speaking a different language. Mm-hmm. We have completely different meaning or, or not completely different, but very, very different, uh, meaning behind that. And so just to kind of tie this to what I was starting to try to get out earlier is like it, I think there are forces like oligarchical forces and, and, and other forces, forces, basically kind of like group forces, like how people interact in groups. It's like, it's almost like an AI of sort. It's like, it's an intelligence that no one person has control of. No one's necessarily deciding for things to work this way. It's just these kind of group dynamics emerge. It's like an emergent property of of human interactions and so there's some of that but then there's also like oligarchs who are at the top sort of like seeing it and being like oh I can do this and, and manipulate things in this way but then there's this other side of the problem and this is called the Moloch problem are you familiar mm-hmm. with the Moloch problem no so this is something and I, and I want to do a whole episode uh, on the Moloch problem at least one um, but basically it it captures what's going wrong with um, capitalism social media and what we should be concerned about with AI here which is basically in all these cases we have a sort of a race to the bottom Mm -hmm. where you know in the short term I lose if I stop you know building the next better AI AI, AI, whatever but if we all keep racing towards this we end up with you know potentially a singular like an AI takeover Or, or you know if in a nuclear arms race if we end up producing the best nuclear bomb that can literally destroy the whole earth nobody's winning from that Mm -hmm. like that's not good for anybody right and so this is the mullick problem and and then sort of in a more like you know innocent but then also like with innocence sort of comes this insidiousness with social media it's like oh, you know, if this influencer is using this filter and she looks, you know, hotter or whatever and is getting more attention, then I have to use that. And it's like, okay, it's a race to the bottom again yeah, where, yeah. like, now everybody has to use all these technologies just to even be in the game at all. And we've completely, like, dehumanized uh, our, ourselves in a lot of ways. So, you, and, and I think there's a lot of that going on with social media. Like, the, you know, all these social media companies have to um, embrace the the marketing tactics that are most manipulative and cause the most outrage because outrage equals engagement, mm-hmm. right? So that's the Moloch problem. It's again. like
1: the whole lawsuit against Fox right now with the $1.8 billion lawsuit that, that, you know, the, the voting systems, uh, are suing them. Like they knowingly, and it's written in writing in phone calls and texts and emails like they know they knowingly
0: we're doing this for ratings, right? Yeah, and so th- th- this is like, like we can say, you know, may in this country we have, you know, the political divide, and and the people are against each other. But really, we're not. Really, we're all people, and we want to have a nice Earth where people, you know, people are generally like prosperous and happy and all that. Our real enemy is Moloch. Our real enemy is sort of that insidious. Like you can almost think of it as like a devil character. It's like it, it drives us apart because of the nature of of these problems and so a big part of why i want to do this episode and and just take a whole episode just to talk about language is because i think it's critical for us to be able to talk with nuance to overcome that malik problem oh you're asking and a lot i'm asking a lot no of course and and i like it, it's it's not it's not only a lot because like this podcast is about humility right I'm talking about something beyond humility. I'm talking about consensus humility. Like to, to defeat Moloch, we need humility in consensus. We right. To so take we, that basically, a- basically like the the Cold War. Right. That that there are a couple examples. We haven't blown each. We haven't blown the whole world up yet. We could. We have enough nukes mm-hmm. as a global population. We could do that. We we successfully stopped doing hu- human cloning stuff because that was just considered. We successfully like. Um, greatly slowed down uh, development of biochemicals. Um, we successfully didn't release a global pandemic. Well, we maybe have had a few global pandemics, but um, <laughs> we haven't killed the whole population yet. So so like there are a bunch of ways in which we need to be able to do this. And I think it it, it does require like a consensus agreement. It, it's not something where you
1: need a consensus agreement on that. Just like you need a consensus agreement on language.
0: Right. Right. It and won't it won't happen, scene. so
1: let's figure out how to work within the system, be knowing that humans aren't capable enough or willing to there's too much money to be made from not having consensus. And we are a capitalistic country that benefits on ways to make sure that there is no un, unanimous Unanimousness, whatever uni- unanimity—I can't say the word—or yeah. consensus. There's so much money to be made on division, and it ties into what you're saying about language and government and this fear. You know, this this race to the bottom kind of thing. People get too high, literally just they get too high the brain chemicals just fire so much Mm -hmm. it's tough to get off the cult of personality it's tough to get off the bandwagon of anger and outrage you have an entire generation that doesn't even really know why it's angry you know they can maybe articulate it but it's like they weren't wronged they're just Theoretically, pissed off on something that doesn't really directly
0: affect them. It's called puberty. Oh wait, no. No, no, no. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, they're not in puberty
1: at twenty-five, and just like <laughs> the old golfers at sixty-five who voted for Trump aren't going through puberty. You know, it's like there's. You know, I had a conversation with this guy, and hopefully, this we'll find a way to to to, to tie this in. I was asking about because they were from Florida. I'm like, so really, what's going on with Disney and Ron DeSantis? And this couple were complaining that the teachers in their schools were teaching kindergarten to third grade is all about trans life and transsexuality and talking about their weekends. And it's like, okay, maybe one teacher maybe did that. I don't know if it's an epidemic, but they're like, yeah, Disney was standing with the teachers, and Ron DeSantis had to come in and, you know and, and make a law and punish them so i'm thinking okay so they weren't breaking any laws they were expressing their first amendment rights of their opinion and they were penalized by a politician for expressing an an opinion now the first amendment as far as speech goes only applies to the to the state and federal government Private companies are not accountable to the First Amendment at all. They don't, you don't have rights within a private company. You only have free speech rights, protection of the law, from government agencies. And here, you have the government agency basically coming in and penalizing a private corporation for having an opinion. Now, I don't think these people I talk to would like it if this was a Gretchen Whitmer coming in and penalizing for school prayer. So where who's it gonna serve? You know, you can't if you're gonna make a law, here it comes to language, if you're gonna make a law, it has to appeal to everybody. You're gonna set the precedent. You're gonna set the precedent for that law. So be prepared for the consequences. If you were if a government agency is going to penalize a corporation For speaking out, just like here in Nashville, you had three people speaking out against gun violence, they were fired, since reinstated, they were fired, it caused an outrage. These are free speech trying to be silenced by a government agency is against the Constitution. However, McDonald's can fire you for whatever reason it wants can fire you for whatever reason they want. You don't have any free speech rights in a private corporation. I don't think Americans realize that free speech is not absolute it doesn't you're not you have no constitutional protections of that so uh, you know yeah
0: well, I think one of the tricky bits when we start talking about laws is like someone wrote down this law and they used. Words to write it, and sure. we can slavery start, was sanctioned we, by we, the Supreme Court. We can start pl- playing with some of those words, and then it mm-hmm. suddenly we change the law mm-hmm. in in the minds of everyone who endorses the new use of whatever word, um, whether that word might be safety or right. So who is
1: yeah. the who's the arbiter of control? Who's the taste maker? Who's the voice of reason? Who's the Walter Cronkite and who's the Dolly Parton? literally Walter Cronkite and Dolly Parton these were these well Dolly's alive but these were two figures that no matter where you stood on the political ideology people right left religious atheist they trusted Walter Cronkite people on white conservative Christian there's so many white nationalists and um, you know and and Hasidic Jews and Korean Christians who love Dolly Parton. There's this character of authority and reason that we can agree on. And those people, those tastemakers, that's what they used to call the people who decided on what movies were going to be made. Now it's a free-for-all because of digital technology and streaming outlets. Anybody can make a movie anybody can afford to make a movie but there was a time when there were these trusted figures and now because of conspiracy theories where nothing is real, there is no fact, your facts are not your own and because of Zoomers and the woke community authority is disdained in America we do not look up to the older cultures, we do not have respect for older older people wisdom is smirked at because they that's looked at as a like who made you wise what makes you think that you deserve to be considered knowing anything and I think the deconstruction of, of authority the distrust of authority which is you know it's valid in some cases but because there's no unifying consensus on, okay, can we all get together and agree that these are the laws that are not up for interpretation? Um, you take someone like Clarence Thomas and, and Anton Antonin Scalia, who looked at, who did not see the Constitution as a living document. They said, this is the Bible, these are the laws, they are not up for interpretation, they do not evolve as we change, they are constant and they are fixed and then I to that I say oh you mean it was never amended yes there are plenty of amendments so there goes your argument it is amended there were amendments things changed and they constantly change they will constantly evolve but what it's gonna take like if there was ever a constitutional Congress in this country to to adopt a new constitution That would be terrifying for me unless there were people drafted to rewrite it that most people could be like, all right, this person is trustworthy. We don't have a lot of those left in this country of, you know, trustworthiness. Yeah,
0: and it's interesting to think about how we might do like a a kind of new um, version of what people would probably want to call some sort of democracy just consensus how, how can we get consensus and uh the crypto community might have something to say about that and that that's a very deep rabbit hole to go down but um setting that aside for now I, i'm not expecting us to get into any beautiful uh answers uh per se in in this i'm just um, curious
1: though i mean what is some just like pick two things like what do you think if there's no more tastemakers? If there's no more Walter Cronkite? If there's no more authority? What are tools that we have to build consensus?
0: Well, um, th- there are like cryptographic tools that can help that, um, j- just like help verify that, that certain people really did vote for a certain thing, for example. So th- that can help, um, but I think really, it, like to get consensus on a narrative level we need to have nuance we, we need to really be able to have these conversations and i think the powers that be are, you know benefit in making that next to impossible and i mean like to talk about you know the amendments of so the first amendment, amendment specifically I, I don't i can't like recite it from memory per se but it basically it's like it's one unless sentence. you're inciting violence yeah you can say whatever you want mm-hmm. That, now we have to define violence. I know it's awful. And the thing about defining violence is, people want to define it different ways. And well,
1: if a corporation is now a person, then all then all rules have been thrown out. You know. Yeah. A person is a human being with a beating heart. You know. Corporations are. They didn't exist before the 20th century. I mean, so the language, the definition of a right. person, has already been changed. Yeah. by the Supreme Court. I mean, that's pretty scary because yeah. a corporation can't go to jail. All it is is a legal document. And
0: I think I think kind of seeing how things have like fundamentally changed th- this sort of explains why, you know, our constitution is no longer making thing like retaining the functionality that it once did, you know, because like the fundamentals have changed and now what used to be basically a form of monarchy that was highly democratically empowered and, and had checks and balances is now basically an oligarchy or Mm -hmm. that's how I look at it. And, and um, so we're not going to come to the answer necessarily today, but I, but I, I want to keep talking about the problem here. So um, I'm just going to read a tidbit here and see what you think about it. If you don't know what lens you're looking at things through, which I would argue a lot of people don't because a lot of people don't take the time to really Not think about it. They, 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 they don't even have a word for the lens at which they're looking There's at. no nuance. They, there's just, right. you know, I heard this person say that, that person saying that, and now subconsciously I've just, mm. I've looked at the word this yep. way. It's all subjective. Okay, so if you don't know what lens you're looking at the things through, that means, or it might mean, you've fallen into someone else's narrative and they are controlling you. Mm-hmm. So that's <laughs> sort of like a, you know, I'm not saying this is true of everyone. I'm saying like that can be true, and I th- I think it's true of a lot of people right now. So I think there. We, we can say the oligarchs are doing this, right? The, the oligarchs are concocting narratives that put that give power to them, right? And the, and they're and they're like have different narratives that are conflicting to try to gain power over who buys into their narrative, basically. Um, so. I think part of the like part of what we need to do is recognize, you know, recognize that that's happening. Recognize that the way we look at things, the language we use, that is that is an ideology. it's basically the same thing as a religion. And you know, people say, oh, I'm not religious, as if they're somehow, like, above or beyond religion, but it's like, you still have an ideology, whether or not you consciously think about it. You still have a philosophy, whether or not you consciously think about it, and if you don't consciously think about it, it's probably because you're just falling into whatever default narrative is, is popular or or m- best marketed, Parroted. Right?
1: You're parroting, yeah.
0: So, yeah, I... I just like to spend this episode talking about a number of, of things I think sh- people should be aware of and then hopefully we can start thinking about solutions, way, ways to move forward. But
1: <laughs> Yeah. Um, I don't... I don't... I don't... I don't think I've really met... I can maybe count on one hand who people who have this, that kind of self-awareness that they right. realize that they're looking through things through a bias... I think even people who. It's very, very hard to be objective because you can be fair and you can look at both sides of the issue, but there's still going to be a core. There's still, if you're 54 years old, there's still the first 54 years of indoctrination and life experience, personal experience. That went into forming that reality.
0: So, yeah, I mean, I would argue that there isn't any true objectivity. There is no objective truth. I, I would argue that because what we're actually talking about there is a consensus truth. Well, and you're
1: talking about in speech and language, but there are things that are absolutely objective. And but so, math so, so being so one. So, you're
0: talking about maybe like. Okay, math, sure, but what does math do? Math clearly lays out the assumptions. It has axioms. Any mathematical s- system has axioms, which are assumptions, which anyone who knows how math works can plainly see. Mm-hmm. We don't usually lay out our assumptions in plain view when we're talking through about it, stuff through the lens of an ideology, and that's what I think we should do.
1: Right, so I, I, I have a song called 1 plus 1 is 3. And it's a real, just direct hit on the misinformation cycle. One plus one is two. There's no, there's no arguing that. And but we're now living in a world where all those definitions and rules have been thrown out the door. Well,
0: so I'll throw something at you on that front then. Um, if two lines are parallel, yeah, that means they never cross. Yes. Um. Two
1: parallel lines. As long, I mean, two parallel lines that I'm looking at that are fixed will not. They do not cross. Will they cross if they're still, if they still on their tra- trajectory in that direction? They will never cross.
0: So if we have a perfect square, mm-hmm. that gives us four dots, and we draw two lines, one through the two on the left, one through the two on the right. Those lines will never cross, right? Say that again. So. Basically, I'm I'm saying they're parallel in a different way. Right. I'm saying on a square yeah. we have two two yeah. lines on the you're sides parallel, and we extend I'm them. Perpendicular. Out. Okay. Yeah. Uh, that's false. If you're talking about non Euclidean geometry, so which langu- which math we're talking about matters. There are different kinds of math. There are different languages. And I don't know if you're familiar with Gödel's incompleteness theorem, but he actually proved that there is no mathematical system that's Basically complex enough to say interesting things that doesn't have in it some statement that is unprovable. Some statement as this. Right, but you this. have
1: to function in life. Right. Uh, yes. You know, of course. You, you 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 It's just not. There's certain assumptions that we need to, and in facts that we need to just agree on. And I do believe we need to agree on things. But I do believe in objectivity, and I. I okay, again, but this is like, so I. I I had I used to have to used to teach screenwriting and when I'm dealing with hundreds and hundreds of screenplays that I gotta read through especially at a time where I was teaching these kids were these were a lot of game animators and sci-fi animators I'm not a sci-fi guy and I can watch a sci-fi movie that everybody loves and my my eyes will glaze over and I'll just get I just get so bored but I'm the teacher Of these students and I'm also teaching them the technique the craft and the rules and there are rules of screenplay and screenplay and film structure now I don't like sci-fi but I'm not going to give the kid an F because I can't stand his story I'm gonna give him an F because it's poorly written now if he wrote or she wrote a incredibly well written Characters well developed, complex, fascinating, even though I don't want to go see it, I know the difference between a bad sci-fi script and a good sci-fi script. So I am taking my personal, I'm having to as the teacher, take my personal bias away from that and having been a grad student in workshops. There's not a lot of teachers who are doing that. They're just dicks. If it it triggers them, if it makes them mad about something, no matter how good it is, if it bugs them, they're not gonna, if it offends them, they're not gonna give it a good grade. And I think that's the mark of a really good teacher, is like, I'm not trying to get you to write my story. I'm trying to get you to write the best story that you want to write objectivity exists, but people refuse to believe that for the same reason conspiracy theories are so prevalent in the brains of people. So where did
0: objectivity come into that story?
1: That I don't like this screenplay, but I'm not going to give it a grade based on whether I like it or not. So you're saying
0: it was objectively good?
1: Yeah objectively good okay even though i don't personally like it but it was
0: objectively well the, constructed i mean i have a i have a bunch of crit- critiques of that like um for example what if i just told chat gpt to write it for me
1: well that didn't exist back when i was teaching screen okay. because i wouldn't know what but but
0: but but that's so but like, okay so there's not chat, a fundamental difference well if there.
1: chat no if chat BD, listen i've heard some of the stories that chat gpt has written and i would grade them based on the merit of of the storytelling and everything else about it so I mean ChatGPT gpt doesn't guarantee it's going to write a good story it's going to write no. something no 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 right? it, ju- it just calls but but the, the question teacher grading what, what makes it.
0: something good that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm getting at. If it's so trivial to get something of a certain quality, then that quality. Well, there's is certain
1: rules within. I mean, I'm being very specific here about the rules of screenwriting. So right, there's sure. stru-
0: there's structural
1: rules so, that they have to adopt. So that's getting back there's, to yeah. kind of
0: if we say what our assumptions are, what language are we talking about, what math are we using? Yeah. Then yes, we are, because we're explaining how the ruler works, we can measure with that ruler, yeah. right? But that doesn't mean that that's the only ruler you could ever yeah
1: but i see i i don't think it's as complicated as as that like just because i don't like opera doesn't mean opera's bad i'm smart enough to know opera is pretty phenomenal the vocal just as it personally as a singer like the vocal calisthenics and training that goes into being be able to sing opera is at a genius level i'm aware of that i don't want to listen to it I'm not gonna say it sucks. I know people who are just like, ugh, this sucks, turn this shit off. It's like, I'm more like, this is phenomenally brilliant. I'm aware of the brilliance of this. Personally, it's not something I wanna to listen to. That is objective.
0: So, would you say that it's object, like say like an, an opera performance would be objectively good if what? If well, I can't judge. Of,
1: no, I, I'm not. I'm not an opera critic, so I can't judge if an opera performance is good or bad. But if there's a general consensus from the opera critic community that this is a great opera, this was well done on all the different levels. I mean, I'm not going to know the difference between a good opera and a bad opera. Right. But I'm going to know that if I am listening to the general consensus of a good opera, that even though I don't like it. I still see, okay, yeah, I, I get the genius in this. Yeah. I get so the genius in listening to what, Beethoven. What
0: I hear there is I hear you equating consensus of whatever, some authority basically to objectivity, which I think is fine. We can use ob- uh, the word objective to mean that, but I think it's worth saying that that's what we're, we mean. I think, you know, this opera performance is was objectively good because the people who would know said it was, Right that's that's a consensus i think there
1: are no i don't think it's as lensy as that i think that there are certain markers that i believe in certain i believe in rules i believe in markers i really do believe that things can be objectively well kind of a deeper point
0: i'm getting at is if you're using that as the measure of how good an opera is What if that group becomes corrupt and then now is telling you something they don't actually believe because they have something to gain from it? Okay, so right, right, I'll clarify that. So
1: whether the critics... So if I got 50 critics that say this is a great opera and 50 critics that say this is a shitty opera, I still know this this is great talent. I still know that this is great technique. I still know that this is a performance worthy of... Adoration, and that it at least meant a lot to
0: many, many people. What if somebody came in before and said, "Yeah, this nobody is gonna like hear what you have to say, but hey, I'll give you all a million dollars if you say this, and you all a million dollars if you say that." Boom! Suddenly, that objectivity's gone, right? So anyway, yeah, yeah, yeah but I, I don't want to. Yeah, but that's spend a bribe. All day on objectivity. <laughs> yes, right, yeah. right. But I'm not
1: talking about bribes. I'm talking about. I'm talking about just humanity do you not agree that objectivity is at all possible
0: well i think it it just it doesn't matter because every individual is having a subjective experience and i think there are different ways to use the word objective that are useful such as like to refer to physical reality that's pretty much a consensus reality everyone on the planet would agree with like i throw a ball people are like oh yeah i saw you you like did this physical thing we can agree about certain like quote unquote objective things but at the end of the day really we're all having a subjective experience of that happening and we all happen to agree there are a lot of things where where that line becomes a lot blurry a lot more blurry and i think um and that anyway, line
1: is becoming much, much more blurry right. every day. Right, every right. Bit and I of think we media. have to contend with that.
0: And I don't, I don't think using the term objective necessarily helps contend with that because. Um, oh, because most people be, are not going to be objective. Well, people on both sides are using the, are are, are having are stating claims to objective truth, that's not objective or truth. It's just your opinion, really. At the at the end of the day, like like fundamentalist Christians would would claim to have access to objective truth, and you know i i wouldn't i wouldn't i don't believe they have amassed the evidence to make such a claim um and and, and even if they did it would be evidence-based it, it wouldn't be that there's like it's true per se it's it's that you have a bunch of evidence that supports a claim that's that's as good as you can get like scientific facts quote-unquote aren't objective truths they're evidence-based ass- beliefs basically there you know that even though the sun like rises every morning and has our whole lives that could change tomorrow there's no we don't know for sure oh but
1: i see and i guess i just disagree i think that when i when we test the water quality we are getting exact levels of this is how much lead this is how much mercury these are these are things that are like that's fact there's there's no subjectivity there these are things that are it's like when you go to the doctor and you get a blood test. It's like, dude, yeah. this is your cholesterol level. You know, right, this but- is this is what's happening. These this is a cancer cell. So I think that there are certain scientific facts, and I think that you know, it, like I think to 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 go to your point where you know where things get really messy is everybody watched the riot on the Capitol, and with a brilliantly orchestrated spin campaign and editing you had an entire group of people who thought it was just a peaceful protest now are you going to say that okay because there's two different opinions of this that there's no objectivity i disagree with that i think that here's video of of people marching in destroying like they now people will be manipulated people will not want to see the truth. It doesn't mean that the truth doesn't exist. It doesn't mean that fact doesn't exist. It's a fact that people went in there, killed some folks, killed some cops, went into the chambers, smeared shit on the wall. We have video of this, like not edited, you know, deep fake video. There are facts. There are things, but I agree it's going to get harder and harder for us to get consensus and unanimous,
0: you know, yeah, I mean, I wasn't there that day, so I I really can't say what happened. I've heard see, but that's the argument. Narratives. Um, oh, really, I, I are you
1: playing devil's advocate, or do you really believe that?
0: Uh, I I don't know what to think exactly happened because I know that there are people to benefit politically on either side of that story. So of course, you know, there there, there are forces at play here that I don't. Trust yeah, but on all either the side.
1: but all the different political. All, all, here's one thing, all opposing political factions of media had their cameras turned on to this. So Fox News and CNN, or Fox News and MSNBC were showing the same things. Now, they're both going to want to spin it. They're both going to want to have a different take. But the cameras were showing live in real time. I mean, I was going back and forth. I'm like, what's Fox saying about this? Oh, Fox has the same feed. You know they're showing the same things. Mm-hmm. There's nothing in it for I don't, th- and that's too bad that you look at it that way. Just to say that oh, there's this political gain, that there's political gain to be had from something that is incontrovertibly like this is bad for everybody. You know.
0: Well, what I mean, I don't really want to make this episode about that, but I I just I've heard a story where, um, I mean. Yes, people were at the Capitol. People were acting rowdy. People were climbing on stuff. People went in, supposedly, like, smeared shit on stuff, whatever. Yeah, all that could have happened, you know, and I'm not trying to deny that Mm -hmm. any of that happened. I just, I don't know the motivations specifically of those people. I don't know how many of those people were following someone else. I don't know. I I heard that... Well, you can um, go to their Facebook
1: pages. That's why they're in jail because they, I mean, they, 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 they had a fair trial, you know, it's like, they admitted to like, yes, I, we were planning this, here's my Facebook page, everyone can read it, this is like, we wanted to do this, like, that's why, I think the suspicion, and I think this is good that we're disagreeing on this, because this is the suspicion, and the, I think, and this could be generational, um, I am always suspicious of, of authority. I really am, but I'm not a conspiracy person. I, I have enough life knowledge before the 24 hour news cycle and news network to realize what it used to be like and the incentives of propaganda, the incentives of BSing the public, Like I, hey, like who stands to gain from what But like, I guess um, what I say is I'm much, much more trusting of certain organizations because I know they have a built-in fact-checking system. They have a built-in rigor for fact-checking despite their ideology because they often report things that go so far against their own personal political ideology, all the liberal news outlets. In my opinion, were completely shitty to Barack Obama, but they were just trying to be factual and fact check and and, and maintain some integrity, despite their own personal beliefs. I am, I guess, I'm not as distrusting.
0: Um, distrusting of who, though. I mean, you're you're if you're trusting one person, you're distrusting someone else. So, I mean, I, it's not that I'm trying to trust anybody. It's just I don't have the information to make a clear judgment on that because I've heard opposing narratives and I can't fill in the gaps magically. It, but I was, what
1: would though? What would show you let's not be show specific. Like, yeah, you know, like that's exact, but I don't want to be specific. Let's no more capital talk. Like in general, where do you base in life, in anything? Where are you finding your fact that you are going to be like Okay, I believe this. Where? How is that going to happen? Does it have to be only experiential?
0: You have well, to experience it for it to be it's, true. It's always experiential. Because any anything else, you have else, to
1: have a personal experience to believe that something. No, you
0: can have an experience of somebody giving you data, but that that isn't data that you have. That's an experience of being given right. data from somebody that you're trusting. So,
1: right. So, where do you find that trust? Um, How are you going to come to a point? How are you going to come to a point of consensus? How are you going to come to a point of like, all right, I believe this. I've been sold. I've been. This seems truthful. This seems has to have integrity.
0: Well, it it entirely depends on the specifics, but on a high level, like to try to answer that on a high level, like I think of things in terms of philosophical idealism, which means I believe that all human minds are basically forms of dissociated mind inside of a God mind. And what that implies is that we all have valid perspectives and basically divinely valid and divinely interesting perspectives, which means that when I see a narrative being painted of how some group of people is evil or dumb or bad, I say, sounds like you probably don't really understand them because they're valid. And so that's where I'm... Coming at it with, and and that leads pretty well into one of the topics I specifically wanted to bring you on to talk about here, which is the the term Nazi. Mm-hmm. I think, I think that demonization, like that villainization, demonization, Naziization, you might call it. That's that's I think at the heart of this problem here. I thought kind of at the heart of the Moloch problem too, in a way, is like because if you can demonize others, then you justify continuing to buy and to play the Molo- Moloch's game basically. And I think Moloch is the real enemy, not other people. Um, and we we I think we as a a global community need to find a way to to understand that Moloch is our enemy and not other people. And, 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 and it's hard. It's really hard to do. I mean, so uh, one, one thing I wanted to bring up here is the the tolerance paradox. Are you familiar? Mm-mm. It's basically just the idea that um, the one thing—I'll uh, I'll read the quote. In order to maintain a tolerant society, the society must be intolerant of intolerance. Okay, so, that's fine. So do you think that's fine, though?
1: Intolerant of intolerance— Well, you know, it's too broad to give really a, it's so broad. Broad, vague,
0: ambiguous. Yeah, it's
1: very broad and vague and ambiguous. Because, like, there's an intolerance of, you know, is, should I be intolerant of, of, should I be intolerant of, um, intolerant of intolerance? Like, what would be a good example? Well,
0: I mean, so, so, like, racism, Right. We can't tolerate racism because racism is a form of intolerance. Right. But then as soon as you're not tolerating racism, you are now intolerant of a group that you you you're kind of deciding who's racist and not like there are different ways to basically put a label on it. And then suddenly, like, it's just I'm not saying this is a definition for wokeism, but say wokeism is the people who think racists are evil. Just that's like kind of vaguely true now suddenly wokeism has become almost like a a, a derogatory term mm-hmm. um because i would say because that of that the, same i would say reason that the woke are
1: a fairly good example of intolerating
0: uh of of like would you consider the woke to be tolerant no
1: exactly so that that's no. my point
0: is the woke buy into this in- intolerance paradox where they're like we can't tolerate racism yeah. but it's like But now you're intolerant. And so now we can't tolerate you. So it's like, I get that there's a catch-22. I get there's like, you could call it a paradox. But then what's the solution? I think the solution is to move beyond intolerance. Like tolerate racists, not because you think racism is okay, but because you're going to tolerate it to, to have the conversations that need to happen to help them overcome that is kind of what I'm... You're you know, up
1: against a lot of factors that are going to prevent that patience and that discussion forever for from ever making any kind of progress.
0: Well, um, I, as a counterpoint, though, we haven't blown up the world with nukes yet. We haven't continued with human cloning. But that's, human but that's just
1: human incentive.
0: Right. And but that's my point is when we're fighting Moloch here, and and we as a human society know that to some degree and we have certain protection measures we have certain agreements that we're not going to start throwing nukes around we're not going to develop these specific things that are dangerous we're not going to open source the most yeah. dangerous technology i mean you have some the, nut
1: jobs who 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 are close to the button you know when you, right and that you and know. that's
0: the moloch problem is there's always the one it only takes one, one person, person to push that button yeah right but to minimize that we need to be able to have real conversations. We need sure. to we need to have nuance and so.
1: Sure. But in just in terms of, you know, the tolerance and the, the intolerating, you know, all of that stuff, I think that um that is a pretty new phenomenon of we used to be a faction, we used to be a country that basically said bring us your poor, your tired, your huddled masses, like, let this be a melting pot. And then when they got here, they were all shit on. You have lots and lots of hatred towards the Italians when they got here, hatred towards the Irish, hatred towards the Chinese, of course the slaves, hatred towards the Jews. There was tremendous amount of of intolerance. And what's funny is that the first feature film ever really made the father of feature films you know is a movie called intolerance you know dw griffiths you know about and here you have a movie called intolerance that is about the kkk rescuing america from the depravity of you know <laughs> free slaves and this is the foundation of american cinema you know so but then take that take that you know take that forward uh 70 something years 80 years and you know what's the museum What's the Holocaust Museum in L.A. called? The Museum of Tolerance. So it's kind of like, it's a pretty, it's a, it, it, it's a pretty tough word. And it's a, it's a word that has been really messed around with. You don't hear, you hear the word used pretty much by progressives and liberals. You don't hear the word, I don't hear anybody on, I don't ever hear anybody on. Because conservatives, the Fox News or anybody bringing that word up
0: yeah because i think that's largely because you know they they think of the world in terms of sin and like they, all, all, most of them don't um you know or christians i, I should say, be specific about that. of course they don't think you should be tolerant of, yeah. of like certain forms of sin and stuff so
1: yeah and they also believe freedom is more important they've said this they say freedom is more important than equality and i'm like wait what do the two have to do with each other to them that it does and then this is a sacrifice to freedom if there's equality. You know, and that's that's a pretty dark way of looking at life.
0: Okay, so we're at the word, the main word I want to talk with you about. The N-word, not the one <laughs> yeah. that the blacks reserved mm-hmm. for the reasons you, you detailed. The Nazi. The word Nazi. <laughs> So, let's spend some time on this one because I think it's a, uh, I think it's really important. Um, I talked about on my last episode quite a bit how it's like Nazi and demonization are are uh, to me have become almost synonymous. And but I don't want to s- skip to that. I want to start with what does the word Nazi mean? I want to ask a Jew, <laughs> what does the word Nazi mean?
1: Um, in the German language. You know, uh, it was a derogatory term to to describe like you know poor people or country bumpkins. Um, somehow, just like with all language, uh, it transferred into becoming the word that defined uh, the National Socialist Party of Germany under the Third Reich uh, of Adolf Hitler and The Nazis were the, I guess the, uh, the Nazis were the popular term to describe the SS soldiers. So the Nazis were the people who were the military wing under Adolf Hitler. That was during the 40s. So. It wasn't a term that really was. Used outside anywhere. Nobody knew. Nobody knew what a Nazi was right. before 1939.
0: That's kind of an interesting connection you just made, though, about it being country bumpkins. Sort yeah, of. it's and weird. I, so, it's well, weird. It kind the makes it because is kind of Is it like a populism, right? If, if, if you know, if it's the people who are was out, the like, not in the yeah. aristocrat class yeah. in any sort of way. It, yeah. But, no, yeah, it was so the it people who were yeah. who
1: who had their. I mean, listen, they lost the First World War. and The their people were using their paper currency as wallpaper. Germany was humiliated, and the people who, who got hit the hardest were, you know, the, the working class and the poor. Right. And um, they needed somebody to come along and make them feel great about themselves again, you know. They, they needed somebody to come along and make Germany great again. A, new, a different kind of for ma- the first MAGA. Yeah. And um, this was a charismatic figure who used scapegoating in uh, anger and fear as a way to uh, turn, to basically be like, these people, who you don't know and who you've never seen, but who are, you know, successful in the cities, um, are why your lives aren't the way they are, or the way you would want them to be, even though they were less than a you know, like maybe 1% of the country or something. So, they, uh, it was an old trope, um, old anti-Semitic tropes that had been around forever. And so, the word Nazi, though, during those years, and in all culture, all around the world, Nazi only ever referred to the soldiers and the followers in the SS. It was not until probably the late 70s that it ever got co-opted into meaning anything else and this was little factions that had uh, arisen you know uh, from that time it became a negative word because they became our enemies during the war but you know you can see the footage from Madison Square Garden when there was a Nazi rally in the late 30s in Madison Square Garden so it's only because they
0: became the enemy. Right. And so I think there's a couple really interesting connections to make there. Like, you know, populism. And then the, the Nazi party, they they consider themselves to be social democrats, yes? Mm-hmm. So, you know, we have this word democracy. Now now is almost a, equivalent to Nazism in, in a sense because if we're talking about populism, democracy, socialism, like those sorts of things. No, the
1: thing, though, there's a big difference. No, because no, first of all... Adolf Hitler was... Germany was a democracy. It was a thriving first world country, Western civilized, really thriving uh, modern um, country. Adolf Hitler was elected, and he was democratically elected, like, legally.
0: Right. And And why? Because he was able to play up a narrative of fear... And hatred, right? Mm-hmm. And so that I think is, a, is another right. connection that's interesting. To make. it's it, it, like it, this is inherent to what we call democracy. Is someone can whip up a narrative based on fear and yeah. anger, and that's yeah. But how the German. No, I'm just trying to make a, a differentiation
1: things. here. The German yeah. people were not Nazis. The right. People right. who enlisted and were enlisted into his militarized system were given the, the Nazi name. Uh, you know Gestapo was a name of you know of his of his soldiers you know the Nazis were the name given to his soldiers so um, it was really it what's different though this is very very different is he was elected but he became a dictator and that's what's different there were no checks and balances because the right. day he got elected, he 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 burned down he burned down the buildings of government. He rewrote all the laws. Right. That's different. That is yeah. different than anything that's happened in America. It right. could happen still, but it is very different when you dissolve your constitution, you dissolve your government, and you recreate a new order.
0: And so, it's I very think, different. I think that's. Where we're starting to creep up on why it is that, you know, progressives have started to use the word Nazi to refer to basically Trump supporters, to throw it in a nutshell, well, both- is because they're worried of Trump basically becoming a new Hitler and rewriting the government, so to speak, yeah? Um, that, wait, that's one use.
1: Wait, because, no, uh, we just... Everyone's using the word, and everyone's
0: different misusing ways. the word. Yes, yeah. misusing the in, in different yeah, ways. Because
1: the conservatives are always calling the liberals Nazis.
0: Uh, well, I, right, and I want to talk about all these different definitions, or a had, couple of these different right, definitions.
1: Right, it's basically, the word has come to mean the worst of humanity. So the other thing right. that, the commer- that the conservatives do demon. is they, they throw around the word pedophile like it was just like a candy bar. Pedophile is like the lowest of the lowest of totems of, of humanity. So they're just trying to find the strongest possible words to use against the people that they hate the most. Right. And the word, because these Nazis were the worst figures of the 20th century, and we're all products of the 20th century, it's the word that has come to mean, um, it's the word that has come to have the most power to use against somebody that you you really just despise or disagree with how it works itself into pop culture in terms of because there was a period from like 45 to the late 70s where that word did not show up in movies it didn't show up in TV it didn't show up in newspapers it didn't you know the, the, the conservative thinkers back then like William F Buckley who was the god of conservatism, Ronald Reagan, another god of conservatism, Barry Goldwater, another god of conservatism, would have never, ever used the word Nazi as an adjective to describe somebody that they disagreed with or disliked. The word started to kind of lose its fear and power with of all things like Mel Brooks and the Producers, making springtime for hitler cutting down hitler's power making him laugh at a lot of Jews were offended by that but a lot of people just a lot of Jews also thought it was hysterical and then the scene in the blues brothers which was another cultural touchstone that was phenomenal of when Jake and Elward are in the car and they're, they're holding up traffic and it's like they're like dude what the hell's going on here and the cops like frickin' illinois nazis and then of course the blues brothers Plow through the crowd and run through the Nazis. They go over the bridge and then you go to the '90s and the invention of the soup Nazi, a Jewish TV show, Seinfeld, written and created and starring Jews, using the term soup Nazi to describe. I think it was an Italian guy or like Lebanese guy, who ran a soup shop based on a real character, in Manhattan, who everybody. All the Jews in Manhattan called the soup Nazi to describe a certain behavior a certain way of developing speech and it was only after all of this pop culture softening that you had conservative political factions using the word to describe
0: liberals and um, people throwing the word around carelessly. So why, why exactly, like, I'm curious to get a bit more insight. Why exactly, or how exactly do conservatives use the term? And what, what are the through lines there to the original Nazis?
1: Well, there's a lot of anti-Semitism I mean, behind it. Um, well,
0: okay, but, it, I mean, do conservatives use it to... I'm only going, to, going what I what I've heard, To you criticize anti-Semites? Well, no,
1: no, no, they're using... No, they're using the term Nazi to des- to describe like followers of Bur- you know when they would you know they would draw pictures of Barack Obama with Hitler mustache like that's the kind of stuff they do you know right? But, when was- but
0: why? What's the what's the connection there? Like Barack Obama is an anti-Semite?
1: No, they're using the word Nazi to have nothing to do. I mean, nothing directly to do with anti-Semitism. They're co-opting, redefining the word Nazi to mean the worst of humanity. That he is going to he that that Barack Obama is gonna to do to America what the Nazis in Germany did to right. Europe. Right, exactly.
0: Yeah, and it, and it, and that's that's what it's become It's a representation. People on both sides are throwing it around that way just to criticize their enemies.
1: I don't hear listen, I'm not I'm not defending liberals. I can play I complain Plenty about. I can sit here and complain about the liberal movement just as much. That's not one of their tools. Like, I don't hear. Them. I'm not going to. You don't hear. I don't like, hear NPR ever like saying that
0: neo-Nazi. Like people are generally referring to like Trump supporters when they're talking about neo-Nazis. I hear maybe liberal citizens, but not the liberal media. They would never do that. Like they oh no, yeah, yeah I'm not like, saying the liberal media liberal per se. Citizens. But citizens. But no, but there are
1: things like, like
0: people on Twitter and stuff.
1: Yeah, maybe people on Twitter, but, but you know that's that's I find that to be the basket of the deplorables. You know, I find that to be the bottom of the barrel. Like I don't find that to be, you know. Uh, it's a bellwether of where the country is, but I don't have any kind of credence or respect for it, even though it is powerful. So I, 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 people, but I still don't hear, I don't, I hear liberals use the word magas, maga. That's what I hear them yeah, use. I don't hear they, them use, they use don't it hear pretty them, much throw. throw, I don't, I never hear, I listen to what a about lot about fascists. That I hear, but I don't hear them saying – if you're talking citizens, that's one thing. But if you're talking about, like, liberal podcasters and things like that, or even moderate podcasters, um, they're not throwing around the word Nazi. They definitely use the word fascist a lot more. Right. Yeah, well I think a and, lot as of as do conservatives. Conservatives I, I mean, and liberals that, equally use the word fascist.
0: I think a lot of a, a lot of people equate fascism with nazism in a lot of ways. So,
1: well, I said this also to you in the email that every nazi was a fascist, but not every fascist is a nazi. Fascism right, right. is is a, is a governmental system and there are plenty of. I mean, Muammar Gaddafi was a fascist. You know, it's a, it's a it's right. a style of rule and absolute power. right it's a it's it's
0: it's, i think basically what the criticism is is like oh fascism nazism authoritarianism like all this stuff is basically where one individual corrupt ruler has total power and will subjugate the masses or or whatever mm -hmm. and and
1: will brainwash the masses yeah and
0: i think kind of the irony there is like our our you know our U.S. government, as it's supposed to be, is a lot more like a monarchy than a true democracy. Mm-hmm. So, like, the, 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 I mean, the word democracy is something we could talk about. Like, I wouldn't say monarchy. How, I
1: agree more with your oligarchy. But I think where we may differ, differ, even in the oligarchy term, is the oligarchs are not the senators and, and members of Congress. The oligarchy no, are the not. wealthy right, exactly. individuals and corporations exactly. that...
0: Pay for the buy them, and that's not how it's meant to be. It's meant, to be. it's meant yeah. to be a monarchical system with checks and balances. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not not authoritarian like total unilateral control, right. which I think is kind of the the valid criticism of fascism right. because and, or, because often fascism is much more like one dictator like. Di- and dictator. you're
1: using the word oligarchy, and I, I see a lot of validity in that. I think that has a, a very strong tie to. Specific Russian, Eastern European definitions. I've always called America a kleptocracy, which is theft, and I believe that it is the believe that the oligarchical system is a is a kleptocracy within here. Is that from whatever tax laws that they're dodging, from whatever from whatever laws and systems that they've set up is basically stealing from not only the the government but the the taxpayer and, and the middle class
0: so anyway to kind of the point of talking about the word nazi to me is like the way it's being used today is really is really just what i would call demonization we're, demonization. we're throwing around the word nazi to refer to people it, we want others to demonize mm-hmm. we demonize like i demonize these people so i'm gonna call them nazi so everybody knows they're bad these are the really bad guys they're genocidally bad they'll just go around killing everyone they don't like then the trap there is you're sort of implying maybe we should kill them right these guys are really bad We're, you're demonizing these people so that's kind of the irony I see is, is like once you start talking about people being Nazis in a way you become a Nazi, like it's the tolerance paradox kind of, again, where you're kind of implying that they should be treated very poorly, potentially even gotten rid of.
1: Um, you know, I have a personal feeling that Um, it would be great but I do not trust I don't trust humans to have the intelligence to make the right decision on that all the time it's like I don't have a really strong opinion on capital punishment for or against but I do have an issue with a legal governmental system having the power To kill somebody—that doesn't sit right with me. I don't trust their intelligence and their bias and their lens to really always make the right decision, especially when there's so many innocent people who are on death row. I mean, not the majority—it's a small minority—but that's a pretty bad mistake. Um, So I don't.
0: I'm trust. not. I don't trust. <laughs> I'm not entirely sure what what point you're making right now. Not
1: that I don't trust people's intelligence to make that decision. Because so you're saying. Right, right. You're saying you're saying. Oh, you know, if you are intolerant of the Nazis, then just kill the Nazis. It's like sounds good on paper, but no, if you're no, gonna go no, down that. No, I'm that saying.
0: I'm saying as soon as you you do that, you become a Nazi yourself, and then you should be killed by your own merits. That that that's what I'm saying. Is is sort of the irony in it? Is like if you know if if I decide that this group of Christian people who are uh, pro-life are basically Nazis for, you know, connect the dots however you want. And then I decide we, we need to, like, put them in camps so that they can't infect the minds of, like, our good uh, whatever. Well,
1: right. So it's a good example because you have people who are killing. There have been plenty of doctors who gave abortions who were shot by religious fanatics for giving abortions. Those religious fanatics fully believed with all their heart and soul that they were doing the right thing so it's it's a tough road to go down i don't right, trust but, humans but, but to that's
0: m- like oh somebody killed someone else yeah that they you know were not in any way legally empowered to do that and so yeah they should be locked up yeah uh yeah but it's still human beings making the laws so there's a
1: there's an inherent flaw yeah in that we have right. laws being made all the time now that are so inhuman and so wrong right. but they're humans making them and we've given them the power to do that
0: well I mean if you look at the legal and if you have someone close to you who's you know struggling with some sort of mental issues and and like it's it's tricky to get the people who need to be you know for their own safety or, and the safety of others like it's it's like once you've kind of it's obvious that they should be locked up it's too late uh-huh. and at that point what's it really doing it's like the whole system is is pretty broken in a lot of ways but my my bigger point here is just that like sort. i i think as soon as you call someone a nazi you've demonized them mm-hmm. and you've sort of in in internalize that the demon seed they're like that same sort of pride of i'm better than them they you know it and you become a nazi and it's in that sense in that demonization sense and so to me do you
1: feel that there's any group of people or persons that you are better than
0: no not not really i think everybody has a valid perspective and i want us to be able to get consensus on certain things and i think that it's really hard to do that but it that's the nature of the the that's the the nature of Moloch. basically we just have to try we have to do that with certain things or or you know the whole world will be blown up with nuclear bombs or you know stuff like that so mm-hmm. that that's kind of where i'm at with it it's it's a constant struggle it's never yeah. you know it's never easy it's i don't think there's any like oh okay clearly we've done that but i think we should i want to Put in the effort to try to connect with people that I disagree with more than anyone else. Yes, that's you know? important. So that's that's what I'm saying. On the saying. human to
1: human level, you will listen. I, yeah, I mean, listen. I was talking to a couple of hunters yesterday, and I'm vegan, and we just we just had a laugh about it. You know, enjoyed each other's company. It was funny. You right. Know? Yeah. And I, you know, and I think that's
0: great. You know, because I think there's there those are both valid perspectives. I know a bunch of vegans, vegetarians. I was raised by hippies. I was vegetarian for twenty years. Now I eat meat. Yeah. Now I would actually want to hunt in a respectful, like ethical sort of way, and I have a lot of respect for that. I have a lot of also understanding of the the health, ben, mm-hmm. you know, trade off there, which is that we evolved eating a lot of meat for the past long, long time. We don't have the same enzymes that some of our like monkey relatives. Have for digesting sugar and stuff right. like that. We don't have those anymore. That's a big problem. That's why our teeth rot when we, yeah, <laughs> when we eat too much sugar and stuff. So, um, anyway, I, I think it's interesting and worthwhile to try to understand different perspectives, and and that's why I'm here. That's why I'm doing this podcast. And and I I you know I think Nazis a great like test case to to kind of make that point clear. Like I don't call anyone a Nazi be, beca- unless they're like literally a. I guess, anti-Semitic, I would call them a Nazi, but not in that I would think they should be ne- demonized so much as that they're anti-Semitic. That's what I would.
1: Mean yeah. It's not a word I use actually. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's, yeah it's not a word that I use, but I think that part of what you're witnessing is most of the people who were alive with any memory of what it was like to be in a concentration camp are dead. So you are many generations away from the horror of that time. I'm, I'm not. My, my parents' generation were, were, you know, were in the Holocaust. So, not my parents, but the people in their generation. So, it's very, very fresh in our minds. So, it's not a word that we would use, but when you have, like, you know, Hispanic kids who grew up in the barrio throwing the word around, they, they don't know what it means, you know. They have no, like, I'm talking like 20-year-olds. Like, they have no fucking idea what it means. It's just become a generic demonized word. I'm of a different generation it's like well no. I know what it means I know exactly what it means and I've seen the people with you know I grew up with the people with the the tattooed numbers on their arm like they were in my neighborhood so this is just very fresh so it, it it's maintained its power that word
0: yeah for sure for sure and I think that's that's a it's very insightful as to how language changes and how it's used by people in power it's like it's because that word already is powerful because of all this culture because of these stories of the holocaust and stuff that has a lot of power for people people understand that those are is, if there were ever bad guys those are bad guys you know genocide is about as bad as it gets and so when we have words that have that sort of power that when you hear them you just like get an almost visceral like emotional response immediately That is ripe for the picking for anyone in power to build a narrative that uses that to play. It's funny. It's
1: it's so accepted to use the word in our culture right now, just as it in in, just as in the American South, as recently as the '70s. You just or in rural areas, like no one's going to bat an eye if they're using the N word, the other word, you know, the the N I word, like. It was not, even on the Jeffersons, which was a show about a black family, he used the word in a really great episode once. And that could never air on TV. You know, it could never air on TV, even if a black man was saying it now. And it's like, it's good, or I mean, I think it's good that, I think it's good that people are afraid to say the word. It's weird, you know, because then you're going to get into like the free speech thing and, like, I mean, what are we doing? Are we empowering it more? Are we giving it too much power? It's like, it's a tough, interesting question, but I'm glad that people don't feel comfortable using the N word. I'm glad. Yeah, I mean, there's a to that. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I think there's like, there's something very valid to it. It's like recognizing sort of, I mean, this is a weird phrase, like sins of our past. Like, just being recognized of like, you know, we're changing in these ways as a society and we want to be really aware of that. Yeah. And, and we're really consciously doing that. And if you disrespect that, then that raises a lot of questions about, you know, what you value and whatnot. And so I think, I think that's when we're like, you know, I don't go around Isn't saying that. Isn't that funny? We're, Cause I've, that, I've never that, that. that takes us back full circle yeah.
1: because that's an example of consensus in, in, yeah. in, in un, unanimous belief. Right. Exactly. We as a society have come to agree. This is not a word we should be using in right. any context. It took a long time for that to happen. Right, and right. Who knows? who
0: knows what made it happen, you know? I, and
1: you know what made it happen? Probably the people who people fought. Yeah, pro-
0: probably just like time and time again, people were like, oh, that wasn't that's worth not okay. saying that word that wasn't okay. because it yeah. really pisses those and people off. Maybe wo- I should try to understand where they're coming from. And then now we kind of culturally understand it. And, yeah. and it's like, oh, yeah, okay, I, I respect that. And the Woker it. tried
1: to use that argument against J.K. Rowling. And it's like I don't know if it's the same.
0: Oh, with the trans. Yeah, yeah,
1: I don't know if it's the same. Yeah. Because I've heard heard the eight-part series deep dive on her. It's like uh, yeah.
0: Episode I would say. Yeah, like I don't
1: (laughs) think it's it's not the same. You know, you can't compare a woman. No, it's definitely not the same. Yeah, you can't compare a woman who gave an entire two generations of children books about tolerance. Like I don't. She's not the poster child for anti-transism, but you know. They're desperate.
0: Yeah, I mean that's a tricky one. Um, it it gets into another word that I would consider talking about woman. I mean, whatever, yeah. in, in, any of these words really. I don't. I don't know that we it's need. It's gonna to drive me nuts. <laughs> it's gonna drive all of us nuts because yeah. we gotta
1: have. We gotta come to consensus on something.
0: Yeah, and it's just like I don't know. I mean, I mean, I mean, I see why the trends are there, but it. it It just, it feels really disrespectful to, like, not recognize this sort of sacred power that, you know, bringing new life into the world inherently has. It's like, we're trying to, now any man can just decide they're a woman, but they don't have that ability, so... Well, it's, the, the issue
1: I have is, I guess it's comparable to any Gentile can convert to Judaism. And they will be considered a Jew within the Jewish faith. If you ask someone, oh, is she Jewish? Then the answer will never be yes. The answer will always be, she converted. Right. He converted. Right. So exactly. So, you have all the rights of Judaism, but what you don't have is the 30 years prior... Of growing up within that community and being faced with the anti-semitism just like a man just like a man becoming a woman it's like okay you're that now but do not claim that you dealt with the same bullshit that women had to deal with you don't right. get to I mean, own
0: you don't get to own a life of that you know there, yeah. there are a lot of problems. And my yeah. deepest problem with it is just the anti-family undertones there. When once we start talking about gender being fluid, it's like you you're you no longer really have respect for the family unit as how ge- new generations are created. Like how oh we uh, can't we
1: can't even go into that because that <laughs> I actually disagree with. But
0: but well, uh, yeah,
1: but we cannot even go into that. I think that's where we were. That's a whole nother discussion because like. I I, yeah to tie it
0: back to the oligarchy thing though I think I think this is a sign that that the oligarchs want us to stop having kids potentially and that's why that's where why I'm kind of like squinting a little bit at it like hmm I wonder why the powers that be are so happy to throw around like anti-family narratives when it seems like that would really destabilize Population. I know about that because the
1: oligarchs are the, they they use they use um, those issues to get the conservatives to vote to favor the things that benefit business most, and the conservative ideology is only ever about population and having a family, a traditional family, dad at the head of the table, making babies. So the powers that be. Know that the most business friendly people are going to be Republicans and conservatives. So they put a lot of money into getting politicians elected who make laws that favor business and small government. So I don't know about that. Yeah,
0: I mean, that's definitely. They're really
1: pro family, like pro traditional family.
0: Yeah, it's a very deep rabbit hole to go yeah. down to and I, I think i think we've covered a lot of yeah. good stuff here and, and we don't necessarily um need to try to cover everything right now so i'm feeling pretty good about this episode i i am planning to sort of turn things to be a little bit more political in nature just talking a little bit more about like specific political topics so um uh, i'll definitely you yeah, know i'll keep your head on your
1: Keep your head level, man. That's gonna get ugly. (laughs) Yeah, it's gonna get really angry and ugly, and you gotta. But even even
0: just talking to different family members, it's like we got to be able to bridge these gaps somehow.
1: Right, but you know the secret of it, and you're 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 good at this, and I even think you'll get better. Is the best thing to always do when you feel yourself getting heated, when you're getting into a rhetorical debate, is you gotta stop and ask a question. Because otherwise you're going to be strawmanning each other. Ask the question. Because then you don't want to become a lawyer. Because lawyers are never about the truth. They're all about... Don't look at the man behind the curtain. They're all about deflecting um, definition. All about keeping the truth far away. Um, So asking questions is the greatest tool to getting those answers. Yeah, I would
0: even make a bit of a more more specific... um, Uh, recommendations like the Socratic method specifically as like an outline of how to ask questions what kind of questions you should be asking so you know people who are trying to have some challenging conversations with family members or or people close to you I highly recommend looking into the Socratic method um, specifically like this whole what this whole episode is about here like if you find that there's a like a seemingly unbridgeable gap maybe start looking at specific words and ask people to define what, what they're talking about with specific words. Problem there is we can both de- define you know woman or Nazi or, 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 or whatever, and, and that doesn't right. necessarily bridge any gap, but it can start to help us get to a real conversation, which is like some subset of talking about one of those definitions, which is what we really need to start talking about before we can have the high-level conversation. So. One, one additional recommendation, because that isn't necessarily super helpful, is if you find yourself talking to somebody and you can't d- agree on the definition of a word, um, try having the conversation without using that word mm. you know try try being a bit more specific about what you're talking about and and maybe not have it be this all-encompassing global like sacred definition of some archetype that you have crystal clear in your mind rather be like you know instead of saying nazis say you know trump supporter mm-hmm. like so, or, or whatever like be more specific and have a conversation about something specific and then you, you can and kind I, of see. I think like, that
1: philosophy ties into, and this will be the last thing that I say, I don't believe in a three-party system. I believe in a no-party system because if there was no D or R or C or L and you just talk to people based on ideas, I think we would be a much, much better country. To I do
0: believe in parties. To me, that hints at, like, what can we do? Maybe it involves crypto, but there's some, some sort of, like, Mimetic technology where we can actually get better consensus maybe let's play around with labels are just destructive yeah yeah they're i mean they're very limited they're necessary though i mean in a sense all words are labels yeah yeah. we need to be able to capture capture concepts in words and and, and talk about things but yeah so anyway thank you so much for joining me thank you it's been a pleasure i enjoyed it